The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. And we want to say a big, big thank you to those who listen to Exploring the Word and those who gave to Preborn. We just had a great week last week as people called in and said, yes, we want to provide an ultrasound for an abortion-minded woman that comes in. When they see that picture and hear that heartbeat, 80% of the time they'll say, you know, that's my baby. I'll keep that baby. Well, you have succeeded and given us great success. But if you missed it and you know you need to give, we they've extended this number, and we also have it at AFR.net. So you can go to AFR.net, look at the top banner. It will help you get to preborn so you can make that pledge and that commitment. Or you can call this number, write it down, because you might want to do this, and God may impress you to do it. It, it is 877 877- Six one six two three nine six eight seven seven six one six two three nine six. Alex, I wanted to start off with a big thank you because you and I brag about our listeners on exploring the word, you know, and so they live up to they live up to our expectations. I'll put it that way. You know, Bert, I'm so blessed. I've got a handful of letters right now in my satchel of listeners, and maybe later this week uh, when we have a little bit of time, I'd like to share some listener testimonies that are so heartwarming. But in terms of following the show and reading the Bible, praying for you and me and for AFA, and yes, in terms of participating in ministries together, whether it be, you know, the shoebox ministry at Christmas or preborn like we're doing, our listeners are so faithful. And, and everybody, it's a joy to minister alongside of you, to preach the Word, whether it's praying for our country. You know, we do a lot of things throughout the course of the year, and preborn, uh, your um, linking arms with us to help save the lives of the unborn, we just want to say thanks. And an added, every mother that comes in with preborn, they're witness to concerning the grace of Jesus Christ. And many of them, over 20,000 mothers have been saved in the last 16 years. So that mm-hmm. is a ministry. So if you want to do evangelism and you want to have a moral compass that helps you carry it out, preborn is a great way to do that. Well, Alex, mm-hmm. speaking of what we do morally, Proverbs chapter 5 is one of those chapters that compares a wayward woman and a godly woman and the man who chooses the godly woman and and shares her life together in marriage, one man, one woman, how blessed they are. And that contrast could not be laid out any plainer than it is in Proverbs chapter 5. Mm. You know, uh, years ago, Johnny Cash had a song. He and June Carter sang a song about uh, there were some couples that went to the the party life and some couples that split up. And the chorus asked this question, where did we go right? And the basics of that song was they went right by morals and being true to each other and doing marriage God's way. And uh, there's a verse in Proverbs 5, and it says... uh, in verses 12 and 13, how I have hated instruction and my heart despised reproof, and I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to them that instructed me. Bert, when I was growing up on the farm, very often my dad, rest his soul, he's in heaven, but he would give me little warnings, and he would say, you know, son, uh, you better be careful with that tool that you're swinging around or whatever. And then when I had my first car and I was trying to learn how to change a tire, he said, son, Uh, Now, you don't have to just stand on that lug wrench because you're going to strip those threads if you're not careful. And growing up, Bert, I've got to confess that I I was a pretty hard-headed, stubborn, stupid kid. And many a time growing up, I would stand over something I had broken or messed up, and I'd say, oh, my goodness, Alex, why didn't you listen? Why didn't you listen? Now, it's one thing when you've got maybe— 
you know, um, a flat tire on the car, but life itself and even your soul, you know, learn at an early age, and the sooner the better. It to is. Be teachable. It is. <laughs> to be teachable. <laughs> Alex, and, great word, brother. Go ahead. Well, you don't want to you don't want to wind up with a shattered life and a future gone or heaven forbid your soul lost and and say, "Oh my goodness, why didn't I listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit? Why didn't I listen to God?" So Bert, a big part of Proverbs, I think is to almost plead with the reader, "Please be wise enough to humble yourself and just just slow down and let God guide you. And in chapter 5, you have those choices, moral choices concerning sexual and physical relationships. But the wrong relationship, I want to give you two verses that give you a warning that, you, that a person needs to hear. Listen to verse 4. But at the end, she is bitter as wormwood and sharp as a two-edged sword. Listen, that wrong decision morally is end in bitterness. Wormwood is a bitter, bitter pill. And then listen to verse 11, and you mourn at last when your flesh and Mm. your body are consumed. So Alex, Proverbs 5 gives these warnings, especially verses 1 through 14, about choosing. Let me read the first few verses and it'll set it up. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding that you may preserve discretion and that your lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of an immoral woman, it says strange in the King James, it says an immoral woman drip honey and her mouth is smoother than oil. In other words, that's how it begins. It sounds good. It looks good, but verse 4 says, but at the end, it's bitter as wormwood. It may seem that way. Uh, Alex, that is a picture that we need to nail in. It may look good on the front end, but at the back end of that issue is, is bitterness, is death, is difficulty. So it is horrible. Her feet go down to death, her steps a hold of hell. In other words, these decisions that you make, and as you said it earlier, it's like the father pleading to his son, my son, don't go this way. And so that's what Solomon had in mind then. I want to share with you, that's what God has in mind now when you read Proverbs. Well, yeah, and look at verse 6 of Proverbs chapter 5, uh, talking about the, the pathway of, of immorality. Uh, goes down to the grave, and it says in verse 6, Lest thou should ponder the path of life. Her ways are movable that thou cannot know them. Now, the path of life is stable, but the pathway to the, the house of immorality, the word movable in the King James really means unstable. Let me just say this. Um, the fallout of your sin, you just don't know it, and you can't even control it. I mean, it's like if you dropped a, a a glass on the floor and it shattered, and the pieces go in 500 different directions. Bert, I, I think about the witness of the gospel in America. Uh, 1987 was a pivotal year because the Baker and Swaggart scandals, you're, and yeah. I'm sure you remember all that. And Bert, I would argue, and of course there have been 500 figures and celebrities and clergy and, you know, sexual scandal has just become fairly commonplace, I'm sorry to say. But look, since those scandals of the late 80s and then many other, you know, respected clergy and others that fell, I would argue the respectable uh, nature of the gospel in our culture has never fully been recovered. It's almost like um, the church has never completely recovered its reputation in the eyes of a lost world, has it? I, I would tend to agree with that, uh, and, and that shows you the damage that is done. It is required of stewards to be faithful, and it is required. Those who have great, great blessings, we have great responsibility, and that's pastors. That is so important that we keep and it's going to get to this in verse 15 and following, 
about you maintaining your moral life. Uh, but listen at verse 7. Hear it again. All through a Proverbs, not just each proverb, but even through the same chapter, you have this pleading that going on in verse 7. Therefore, hear me now, my children. You catch that theme. You mm-hmm. catch that cry. And do not depart from the words of my mouth. Remove your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the cruel one. Now, Alex, again, Mm. this is damaging. It is hurt. It may look good. It may sound okay. You may think, well, if I do it, it really is harmful. No, this, these moral uh, choices that you make before marriage and during marriage, after marriage, I want to tell you, they have effects that will hurt you. And listen to this, verse 9, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the cruel one. Now, Alex, yeah. notice the word, hear me now, right now, so that yeah. your years won't be cruel. You catch it? I know, I know. And verse 10, lest strangers be filled with thy wealth and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. I, I won't belabor this point, but Bert, there was a major ministry on the East Coast that uh, the leader fell into just a gross sin, and they auctioned off his house, and the publisher of a pornographic magazine bought a lot of the fixtures, and it was kind of a big joke that all, all this furniture and stuff that had belonged to a very famous minister was now owned by this person of a very immoral lifestyle. And listen, um, God blesses us with things, but God entrusts us. And let me let me say, the stuff that you've worked years to accomplish can be lost. But, you know, worse even than losing some material thing is losing reputation. But even worse than that is slandering the witness of the gospel. And Bert, we've got to remember who we represent. We are not our own. I mean, it's not ours to just say, well, I, I, I'll do what I want. No, we represent the King of Kings, and we, we do not have the right to jeopardize the good name of our Savior in the world, do we? We do not. Alex, a word well said. Listen to this, verse 7. Therefore, hear me now, my children. And then in verse 12, and say, How I've hated instruction and my heart despised reproof. No, today's the day of salvation, and today's the day of obedience and wise choices. Make them. When we come back, we're going to look at how to make those wise choices, and it's in the same chapter, chapter, Proverbs 5. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is so frustrating. But here's some great news. If you miss the December 7th deadline for open enrollment, it's not too late. Here's something that can really help. It's MediShare 65 plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills. It's people who encourage and pray for each other too. MediShare 65 plus is a low cost option for those with Medicare parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. Plus, it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. So worth looking into. MediShare 65 Plus is open for enrollment. And if you join right now, before January 31st, your second month will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. Dr. Tony Evans says it wouldn't be very loving for God to help us move forward when we're headed straight for disaster. He's got a helpful illustration to share with us as we spend two minutes with Tony. When you buy an appliance, if it's a new appliance, it comes with a warranty. You know what the warranty says? The manufacturer is going to stand behind the product. If something's not working, the manufacturer is going to take care of it. But there's a proviso in the warranty. You cannot use the equipment for something other than what it was created for. Because once you start doing something that it wasn't been made to do, you can invalidate the warranty. So I just want to let you know now, God has a warranty for your life. He has a warranty if you're a Christian, he has a warranty over you and that warranty comes with a covenantal guarantee. 
But the assumption is that you're using your life for what the manufacturer created it for. And he created it for his glory, his kingdom, and his covenant. The moment you start operating behind enemy lines, the moment you start operating against the manufacturer owner's specifications, then you're invalidating the warranty and now you wonder why prayers aren't being answered, peace isn't being given, and victory is not being achieved because you have messed up the warranty. Come underneath the covering of God by coming to know him and his covenant so that he's free now to warranty the product of your life from this day forward. Tony's put together a short video that explains how you can do that. To see it, just visit TonyEvans.org and click on the Jesus link. You'll also find some free follow-up resources. Check it out today, then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Matthew 19, verse 14. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. Today we are in Proverbs chapter 5. We would love for you to follow along, and in a few minutes we will get to phone calls and Bible questions. I'll go ahead and give that number. You might want to write it down. It's 888-589-8840, and we'll be there in a few minutes. But, Bert, you know, it's interesting. In a couple of places, the Bible talks about being in the midst of, of a congregation. Now it's interesting in Proverbs 5:14 says I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and the assembly. Now later on in Proverbs 21 it's going to reference the congregation of the dead. Now we'll we'll get there but imagine being in the congregation. You're at the synagogue if you're an Old Testament observant Jew. Now that would be a good thing, right? To be there hearing the Word of God and the teaching of God's Word. But imagine you're in church, but really your heart is evil. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. Bert D.L. Moody said this, going to church doesn't make you a Christian, and taking the horse and buggy into the barn doesn't make you a horse. You know, and many people have had a variation on that. Billy Sunday, the very famous evangelist of the early 20th century, he said, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than walking into a garage makes you an automobile. But here's the thing. I've, I've often pondered the irony of verse 14, in the midst of the congregation and yet being all evil. That, that's a tragic situation, isn't it? It is. Reminds me of someone we find out in the Bible whose name is Judas Iscariot. Right there, yeah. one of the twelve, hearing the Sermon on the Mount, seeing Jesus doing the things he did, the healing that he did, the miracles, the words of encouragement he gave, the words of warning he gave, and yet he chose to rebel against God. And not just rebel, but betray the Savior, Jesus Christ. So listen, you you need to listen to the Holy Spirit. Uh, wide is the gate that leads to hell, and some of that wideness is being in a congregation and going and sitting and saying and comparing yourself, well, I, I'm as good as he is, or I, I, I do as more than she does. You know, no, you compare yourself to Jesus Christ. And when you compare yourself to Jesus Christ, every one of us will come up lacking. We cannot make it. All have sinned and come short of that glory of God. And so the only one who can bridge that gap is Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. And by faith in him, the grace comes to us that God has to help us, to change us, to give us a new birth and be ready for heaven. Now, Alex, mm-hmm. I want to, before we get out of verses 1 through 14 and go to 
the good part, I would say, verses 15 through 20, when it says, this is how you do it. Do you know what is the most ex- expensive thing in the world? Um, okay. Well, I know our, our salvation costs the Son of God his life. That would be it. Our sin will cost us more than you could ever believe, and the only way that that is redeemed is through Jesus Christ. But listen, mm. wow. that is the whole idea. Sin, I know this is a cliché, But, Alex, every time I hear it or every time I say it, I say, how true. Sin takes you further than you want to go, costs you more than you want to pay, and keeps you longer than you want to stay. Now, Hmm. I believe if you read Proverbs 1, 5, Proverbs 5, 1 through 14, that is a perfect uh, three-point message concerning making these immoral choices. You know, it's really clear, isn't it? Well, it is, and and remember, this is set up, you know, it says, my son, attend to your words, avoid the immoral woman. Uh, that, that secret tryst or meeting is really a pathway down into the grave, and don't be one who says, oh my goodness, why didn't I listen? Now, verse 15 through 23, as chapter 5 concludes, verse 15, let me just say, is not about drinking water. <laughs> Uh, But it says now, drink waters out of thine own cistern and running waters out of thine own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad and rivers of waters in the streets. Let them be only thine own and not strangers with thee. Now, I want to say this, um, you know, and you and I have taught through Song of Solomon as well. But when you get in what is called the wisdom literature, whether it be Proverbs or Ecclesiastes or, or Song of Solomon, uh, when it talks about, you know, um, that children are a heritage of the Lord and, you know, blessed is the man whose quiver is full, like arrows shot. You know, arrows go a long distance, and they achieve something. They hit a target, just like your children. And uh, fountains of water, well, the, the streams and rivers trickle in different direction, and they water the plain. When it's talking about your fountains and water out of your will, Bert, I believe, and and I realize this is, you know, symbolic and poetic, but what God's Word is saying here is, you be true to your spouse and your family. Your, uh, the, the, the fruit of your family, children, legacy, positive godliness and impact, not somebody else's, uh, you don't abandon your spouse for somebody else, and you keep the home fires burning so your spouse doesn't leave you for somebody else, and your children, and let me say, I've been in the, the teenager business for 30 years. Um, there are some kids that they go into adulthood with precious, precious memories of family, and they respect mom and dad, and they want to emulate the pathway of mom and dad, and then there are other young people that, frankly, are wounded. Bert, I think what 15 through 17 are saying is lose at anything else but win with your family. I would agree, and, and the picture here is uh, the water in a well or a cistern is healthy. It's like water between the banks of the river. That's good. Commerce takes place. It is limited. It is it is qualified on either side but then if you should your your fountains be dispersed abroad if they go over the bank flooding what happens streams of water where in the streets it does destructive works it's like sewage if you can just picture that uh it's it's like sewage running in the streets when the immorality of of our lives of our society goes wild and in the 1960s it was called the sexual revolution. Mm. And and since then, so much has happened. The issue of children born out of wedlock, the number of divorces just escalating, the number of, of, of premarital relationships has become something that is expected rather than it not being. And so it's running into the streets and it's causing havoc with our society today. So when you read verses 15, 16, and 17 and following, you see the damage that it does. But this in the verse, uh, it says, verse 17, let them be only your own and not for strangers with you. 
keep yourself. Sex relationships is for marriage. It's for a man and a woman, a husband and wife. It's not with strangers. It's not a meeting in the night. It's not that tryst that you were talking about on a business trip. No, it is that being very accountable to God to be faithful to that husband, to that wife. And then in verse 18, and I'll read this and say a word and throw it back to you, Alex. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. I, I, I grew up when Roger Staubach and Joe Namath were the two great quarterbacks. Joe Namath was Broadway Joe, New York, <laughs> played with the Jets. Roger Staubach, Roger Dodger played with the Dallas Cowboys and Tom Landry, the coach. It was uh, a lot of folks called it God's team because Coach Landry was such a great godly man and Roger yeah. Staubach, such a good Christian man. Bob Lilly, just this whole bunch of Christians there. But I remember this, and I've saw, seen two interviews, and I've observed it and heard it. Broadway Joe, would he would talk about how many women that he had been with, bragging on it. And Roger Staubach, that interviewed him, told him what Joe Namath said, and he said, I've been married to one woman, and I'm telling you what, I have the best life ever. I won't say all the words they said, but he said, I love and I enjoy the physical relationship more than Joe Namath because I'm having it, that physical relationship with my wife. That's what verse 18 is saying. Rejoice with the wife of your youth. Young men that are listening, wait and have that relationship with your wife after marriage. Be faithful to her. And I want to tell you, the rewards will come your way. Alex, it's very plain here, isn't it? Well, it, it really is. And let me say, and I, I want to encourage you to do a little research on this. One of the things that has, uh, as you would say, been the greatest blessing, and not only Scripture promises this, but volumes of research by psychologists and sociologists say one of the greatest blessings of life is marital fidelity, right? I mean, you, you study up on it. Marital fidelity yields more blessings. But on the flip side, and I would encourage you, and I will not belabor this point, but 60 years ago, around 1960, the, um, the illegitimacy rate uh, in urban, rural, it was, it was a fraction, minuscule of what it is. Um, read Walter Williams, the economist. I believe he's at William and Mary. He's an African American economist, and and Walter Williams and others have written about how um, illegitimacy rates across all communities has not only just wounded millions of lives, but frankly jeopardizes our nation. And Bert, I'm so glad you read verse 18 when it says, "Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth." And what does that mean? Um, that you're you're true to your spouse and true to your family, and then it goes on, and it's got language that is just reminiscent of like Song of Solomon uh, about uh, you know romance and marriage with your your wife, and it asks the question in verse twenty: Why will thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman? Um, look, uh, Bert, the conduct of a day has has resulted in sorrow for a lifetime for so many people. And I, I'll just say one last thing, and if I sound like I'm preaching, it's because I am. And I've, I've just <laughs> Preach on, brother. Preach so on. many people. And, and I know you, you've been in the pastorate longer than me. Bert, I have counseled with families when it was all I could do not to cry and weep because of how much they were hurting, right? And here, here's the thing. Uh, that that you just can't undo when trust is lost. I mean, trust lost is nearly impossible to repair, isn't it, Bert? It really is. I have been there, seen it, and it is hard. The best thing you can do is do what verse 18, rejoice with the wife of your youth do that i want to tell you the dividends are great but if you haven't i want to tell you there's still hope you can go to god and say god what i did wrong i did wrong don't blame it on everybody else 
uh, take responsibility for yourself. Uh, I, I've counseled these couples that are going to be remarried, and I've asked them, I said, what have you learned from the marriage that you were in? Hey, what do you mean? I said, what did you do to contribute to that marriage ending? And they, well, I didn't do anything. I said, well, you need to reevaluate. I said, it takes two, and I know one can make a horrible decision, but is there anything you could have improved upon? So if you're in that situation, observe and look and see and be careful where you tread. If you haven't learned something from that experience, you're not ready for it again. And so get right with Mm. God. So Alex, verse 21 through 23 is now, it turns, especially verse 23, the eyes of the Lord, not just the father giving uh, giving advice to his son and his children and giving warning. Listen to this. It Uh, Solomon takes us to the very throne of God. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all of his paths. You are not going to do undercover work without God's knowledge. Your spouse may not know. Mm. Children may not know. Your boss may not know. But God sees his eyes, and he ponders that, and it's all his paths. There's that word of paths again. It's talking about your journey and your way. Alex, the way of the wayward woman is destruction. The way of a husband and wife sharing together, being faithful together, is fruitful and blessed. Well, and it says there in verse 22, His own iniquities shall the wicked shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. He shall die without instruction, and in the greatness of his folly shall go astray. Imagine the pain, and it's inflicted by your own decisions. And imagine the loss of life and opportunity and broken relationships. And to know and how painful this would be, I did this to myself, and I, I did this to others. So... If, if the Word of God is, is taking these warnings against sin so strongly and so seriously, we really should. And God, God is, like, tough as nails here. Why? Because he loves us. Amen. And God doesn't want to see us destroy ourselves. Amen. Listen to that word. You're caught in the cords of sin. Ah, listen, it's a tangled web we weave when we first try to deceive. You'll never deceive God. And trying to deceive your spouse, your children, it is one that you'll be tied up in. Follow God. Love Him. Trust Him. We're ready for your phone calls. That number, 888-589-8840. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, President of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio, and visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. Big Tech is blatant censoring conservative and Christian content and today's issues made sure you're aware. The control of information is stunning. Dr. Scott Atlas, one part of the president's team on coronavirus, cited information out of Europe on the lack of value of wearing masks and Twitter has removed him. If the issues affect you and your family, today's issues will keep you informed. Weekday mornings at 10 central on AFR or listen to the podcast anytime at AFR.net. Sometimes you see a win, a glimpse of God in this broken world. Preborn rejoices in the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Preborn's mission is to love and help women in unplanned pregnancies by offering them the truth to help them make the right choice by providing free ultrasounds. You see, when an expectant mom hears her baby's heartbeat and sees the image of her baby on ultrasound, she's seeing a life created in God's image, and it's a divine connection. And I got to hear and see my baby for the first time. Hearing the heartbeat made me cry. And it was certain that I was going to keep my baby forever. To learn more about Preborn's life-saving work, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. 
All gifts are tax deductible. Your love can save a life. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Have you ever seen one of those track and field events where the runner starts out in blazing fashion, leading the pack for the majority of the race, only to stumble just before reaching the finish line? Starting the race well and running well are vitally important, but if we don't finish the race well, all else can be overthrown. The Apostle Paul penned those words, having fought the good fight, right on to the end as he faced imminent execution under Nero's sword. Let us all, brothers and sisters, set our courses to finish well. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. When the darkness falls, the greatest heights, they never seem so tall, no, not at all, you're right. It's my roots that you're growing, don't want to miss what you're showing. Ain't no doubt about you. Amen. Let's shout the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus saves. He really does, and he can save you. By the way, you can hear Alex and me, and you've been able to do that for 11 years now that Alex and I have been doing this program. But now, believe it or not, you can see us. You can go to streaming.afa.net, streaming.afa.net, and you can see us or go to Facebook, Exploring the Word Facebook, and it's there. And Alex, Brent was telling me that we have really – expanded the number of people that's listening and watching on facebook is growing so uh we're not running them off that's good news isn't it (laughs) well it is and you know sometimes the streaming because there's two things i mean there's the radio going forth but then there's the online content and sometimes and i guess it depends on how many people are on the internet it it's very clear sometimes on Facebook, and sometimes it's a little blurry. But listen, we're just honored that people are listening, and we are so grateful for each and every one of you. The number is 888-589-8840. Going to go up to Illinois. Uh, William in Illinois, you're the first caller on today's edition of Exploring the Word. Turn your radio off, William, please. Uh, there you go. During the tribulation Yay. period after the rapture, where will the children standing be between the saved families and the lost families? Will all children go up in the rapture? Or will it, will there be a division of some kind? I've never heard about the children's condition. I'll listen. Thank you. Okay, William. Thank you. Alex, the Bible doesn't tell us everything we know want to know. Uh, I haven't read the verse, what happens to the children. But I think there's a consistency with God about him taking care of children, isn't there? Yeah. Do you know, um, most scholars would say that uh, children are in a state of innocence, that they, and and more than just innocence, they're under the grace of Jesus Christ because they've not yet really come to understand right or wrong. I believe in the rapture that children would, would go and just suddenly find themselves in the presence of God. Now, you know, Bert, um, even... Uh, in, in ancient Judaism, they really believed that you didn't have full accountability till you were like a young adult around like 18 to 21 years old. Now, I've met younger teenagers than that that absolutely did know right from wrong. But, you know, we know God does all things well, and he's certainly going to look after um, those of any age that haven't been able to understand sin and guilt, repentance, and salvation. This assurance we have, the God of the universe will do that which is right, and in his eyes, in his right is right. And sometimes we don't understand all of his ways. Now, the more you study the Bible and the more you apply it to life, I believe the more you come to know the ways of God. But it's still mysterious. I just want to tell you, don't try to take the mystery out of the scriptures, in areas, we know how to be saved. That's not a mystery. We know for certain, certain things, but certain things about eschatology, 
those people that will nail it down and say it's got to be this way, it's going to be that way on things like that, Alex, uh, they, I think we do better by saying, listen, uh, it seems like this is where God, it looks like, is looking. Now, on the things we know, he's returning visibly. We know he's coming. That's definite. But on some of those areas, we need to be a little bit cautious about what we say so definitely, don't we? Well, we really do. We really do. And thank you for that call. We're going to go to Texas. Iris in Texas, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you. Um, as I'm reading through the Bible, and I know you're thrilled with that because we love the Bible, don't we? That's why we Amen. listen to your program Amen. and why I listen. Um, but my question is, is why were the shepherds detestable to the Egyptians? That's what it states a couple of times in that chapter regarding Jacob going before Pharaoh when he came. Amen, Iris. Thank you for your question. Let me share this with you. The word detestable for the Jews might be a little strong, but we we not too far away from Christmas. I mean, you know, it's today's the 23rd, so just two day, two, you know, nearly a month away from uh, Christmas. Notice who the angels went to, the shepherds. Why? Mm-hmm. They they were kind of outcast, Alex. Uh, I have a sermon that I preached, Outcast at Christmas, and shepherds were, Mary, you know, her having that child and expecting a baby before she and Joseph knew one another. Joseph became an outcast because he wouldn't do what is right, put in her away. But the shepherds have always been uh, outcasts, but in Egypt, it was more so Mm. than any other place, wasn't it? Yeah, this is in Genesis forty six thirty four, and you know historians have tried to figure out a little bit about this. For one thing, among the Egyptians and even among the Israelites, the shepherds were viewed as low ca- low class. They, I'm just going to say it, uh, they they had a smell, you know, working in the barns and working among the livestock. But let me say two things: sheep were viewed as a very unique kind of livestock and i'll tell you why for one they require lots of care and and, and i think ha- Bert, let me interrupt you isn't it hands-on care you know it's not very much yeah, hands-on yeah and sheep were known to eat up all the grass by the roots i mean uh, a, a herd of sheep could clean off a piece of land and do you know what egyptian history this gives us a little bit of insight because there is Egyptian history that says at their borders they would set up gates to watch and the the Egyptian soldiers had the right to kill shepherds that were trying to migrate into Egypt. Let me just say Egypt did not have an open borders policy unlike us. So for that reason, I mean uh, Bert, it's a very appropriate analogy that Christians and churches are compared to sheep. <laughs> High maintenance, you know, yeah. uh, not not the most intelligent piece of livestock either. <laughs> it, it's shepherds... not a compliment when he says we're sheep. It's it's not a deep compliment. Let me just say that, you know, we they, need a but, shepherd. But the, the shepherds, that was not an enviable career path, was it? It was not. Iris, thank you for noticing that. Where to next, what Alex? A, we're going to go to Texas, Bobby Joe in Texas. Bobby Joe, welcome to Exploring the Word. Oh, thank, thank you, Alex. And my question today for you guys is you missed, or you didn't miss, you pronounced one word, and the word was get understanding. And over and over in our Bible, it's, God says wisdom's good, knowledge is great, but both of them are useless without understanding. And I think that's where a lot of us men have went wrong is we don't understand where authority comes from, law comes from, uh, the value. You know, value is placed by the Lord from the source of all things, and it's an intrinsic value. The the value of a monetary thing, to say a tree is worth $1,000 because the two before is worth $2 is a man-made thing. I, <clears throat> I want you to expound on that word. Get understanding. understanding. Okay. Thank you, Bobby Joe. Yeah, understand yeah. in all thy getting, get understanding, get wisdom is is understanding, learning how to use the wisdom God's given you and when and yeah. where. You know, there's some that they they're nearly close to running parallel, aren't they, Alex? They they really are. I, I would think and Bobby, that's a great question. I was just thinking about understanding is like wisdom applied. 
See, with the gospel, too, it's not just being aware of it, but it's it's taking it to heart. It's acting on it. It's applying it. Bert, you, James 2, verse 19 says the devil believes yet trembles. I mean, Satan is aware that God exists. He knows the facts, doesn't he? He knows yeah. the facts. So we're, we're not only to uh, know truth, we're to act on it. Uh, great word there, my friend. Uh, in Kentucky, uh, Bob in Kentucky. And, hey, I, I want to say, having traveled through Kentucky and Missouri in the spring, within a month or two, uh, Bob, you, uh, you're going to be in one of the most beautiful parts of America, as I'm sure you know. Yes, sir, I know that. I'm close to the Red River Gorge, if you've ever heard of that natural bridge. Oh, yes, uh, that's some pretty country. Uh, Alex, uh, on some things you were talking about, you know, uh, with your wife and stuff, uh, my wife passed away two weeks ago Monday, today. Mm. We buried wow. her last Saturday. Uh, I met her in 84, m- married her in 87. We've been together like 38 years, almost 39. But, uh, Alex, I want to expound on, I don't want any young person, young couple, they need never, ever break your wife's heart or your spouse's heart. If you ever do that, this has just come to me, and I'm having a really rough time. But just, you know, and I'm a Christian now. I've been a Christian for a long time, and she she was, our whole family was. My father was a pastor, Christian Assembly of God, and, uh, you know, uh I knew better than some things, but I, I broke my wife's heart. But, you know, I, I've had trouble. I had a lot of sickness. I always thought I would die first. But, uh, you know, uh, now that she's gone, I'm having a rough time. And sometimes I see her crying, and I wish I'd never done that. And, uh, but I know my Lord and Savior forgave me. I know that, Alex, but if any young person, young couples out there and they're having thoughts or things they shouldn't do, don't ever break your spouse's heart. If you do, you might want to ask the good Lord to take you first. No. And uh, the roughest day I've ever had, uh, a couple of days after she was gone, I woke up and I hollered for her to bring my medicine and then I realized she was gone. Well, Bob, we are we we hear the pain. I, Alex, Bob is going through something that I cannot imagine right now. Mm. The loss of that spouse, and we want to pray for Bob, don't we? Yes, we do. Bob, let let us pray for you and everybody out there. Pray for God's comfort to be very real. I feel privileged you would share with us, but I'm going to pray right now. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are the God of all comfort, and I pray for Bob in Kentucky, Lord, that he is bereaved, and they just buried his wife of 38 years. And Lord, uh, there's water under the bridge and things that have uh, in in the past that uh, maybe he's not proud of, but let him know, Lord, that, that you make all things new. And that uh, I'm sure that she forgave him, as he said. But, Lord, what a lesson for all of the people listening that we don't want to break the heart of those closest to us. So bless my brother Bob. Lord, give him comfort. And, Lord, as he uh, mourns the passing of his wife, just let him lean in all the more closely to you, Jesus. Give him joy and let him see the bright light of your presence just really soon. And we, we commit him to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Bob, uh, we feel very privileged that you would share. We're going to go to, I believe, Pennsylvania, Wesley in Pennsylvania. Do I have your state right, Wesley? Yep. Pennsylvania. Well, welcome. Yep. Thank you, Brother Alex. I lead uh, our Wednesday night Bible study, and uh, we're in First John. <laughs> And my daughter had a question with the Moore Hamlin situation. Uh, does God hear the prayers of the unbelievers? And everywhere I find in the Bible, the answer is no. Okay. What are your thoughts? Wesley, thank you. Alex, do you remember somebody called Bailey Smith? I well remember this. And you remember yes. his, the question that came to him. Does God hear the prayers 
of the unsaved, the, the key word, and I'm just setting this up and throw it to you, Alex, the key mm-hmm. word is hear. Of course he hears. Does he respond? Most folks right. think, does he hear that he responds? Yes, but he he hears everything, so he he hears that. Will he? Does he have to honor the prayers of the unrighteous? Uh, I don't think God has to honor, but um, by virtue of being omniscient and knowing all things, obviously God knows all the thoughts on every heart. He knows the prayers, the motives. So yes, I, I think absolutely God quote hears or is aware of, but he's not obligated to act on the the prayers of of those that aren't his born-again children or followers. Now, Bert, I want to say he may. I've had preachers say, well, God absolutely doesn't. No, the Lord can do anything he wants to yes. do. Uh, and and I, I've had people say, you know, in fact, I've got a lot of friends that are born-again Jews and born-again former ex-atheists, ex-Muslims. And I've had people say, in fact, I've got a Muslim friend, and he was uh, in the Middle East, and he was a faithful Muslim, not a Christian, and he said God spared his life. And then there came a point where he understood and he received Jesus. So, Bert, I think not only does God hear the prayers of the unrighteous, but depending on his own discretion and knowledge that is beyond what we might know, I think he answers some of the prayers because he knows who's going to, at some future point, accept him and become his child. God is not a killjoy. He does not get joy out of, I'm not going to hear you. You're no good. No, that's not the heart of God. He hears that. Of course he does. But does he respond uh, a lot? He's going to respond to a believer, but responding to a believer has the idea of saying no. Is no a response, Alex? Well, it is. You know, it's been said that God has three answers to prayers, yes, no, and wait for something better. So so and we're uh, saying you know, just because you don't get what you ask does not mean God doesn't have it responded to you, does it? Exactly. Well, we've got callers that we just didn't get to. I apologize. But, Bert, I want to say this. We serve a great Savior, don't we? <laughs> he does, and he's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. And if you're not saved, we want you to be saved. Know Jesus Christ as Savior. We have people that would love to talk to you about your salvation. That number is 1-800-NEED-HIM. If you're wondering, am I saved, or you know you need to be saved, 1-800-NEED-HIM. They'll talk with you, pray with you, and help you. But we're going to be back tomorrow. Read ahead, Proverbs chapter 6, and find out the six things God hates. We'll be back with more tomorrow on Exploring the Word. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.